Homeland, Chapter 10, Stain of Blood. Sacnafane is out of the house? Malice asked. I sent him and Ryzen to the Academy to deliver a message to Verna, Breeza explained. He shan't return for many hours, not before the light of Narbondal begins its descent. That is good, said Malice. You both understand your duties in this farce? Breeza and Maya nodded. I have not heard of such a deception, Maya remarked. Is it necessary? It was planned for another of the house, Breeza answered, looking to Matron Malice for confirmation. Nearly four centuries ago. Yes, agreed Malice. The same was to be done to Zach Nefane, but the unexpected death of Matron Vartha, my mother, disrupted the plans. That was when you became the Matron Mother, Maya said. Yes, replied Malice. Though I had not passed my first century of life and was still training in Arak it was not a pleasant time in the history of House Tuaden. But we survived, said Breeza. With the death of Matron Vartha, Nalfane and I became nobles of the house. The test on Zach Nefane was never attempted, Maya reasoned. Too many other duties preceded it, Malice answered. We will try it on Drizzt, though, said Maya. The punishment of House Tecandias convinced me that this action has to be taken, said Malice. Yes, Breeza agreed. Did you notice Drizzt's expression throughout the execution? I did, answered Maya. He was revolted. Unfitting for a drow warrior, said Malice. And so this duty is upon us. Drizzt will leave for the academy in a short time. We must stain his hands with drow blood and steal his innocence. It seems a lot of trouble for a male child, Breeza grumbled. If Drizzt cannot adhere to our ways, then why do we not simply give him to Loth? I will bear no more children, Malice growled in response. Every member of this family is important if we are to gain prominence in the city. Secretly, Malice hoped for another gain in converting Driz to the evil ways of the drow. She hated Zach Nefane as much as she desired him, and turning Driz into a drow warrior, a true heartless drow warrior, would distress the weapons master greatly. On with it, then, Malice proclaimed. She clapped her hands and a large chest walked in, supported by eight animated spider legs. Behind it came a nervous goblin slave. Come, Byak-Yak, Malice said in a comforting tone. Anxious to please, the slave bounded up before Malice's throne and held perfectly still as the matron mother went through the incantation of a long and complicated spell. Breeza and Maya watched in admiration in their mother's skills. The little goblin's features bulged and twisted, and its skin darkened. A few minutes later, the slave had assumed the appearance of a male drow elf. 
Byakyak looked at his features happily, not understanding that the transformation was merely a prelude to death. "'You are a drow soldier now,' Maya said to it, "'and my champion. You must kill only a single inferior fighter to take your place as a free commoner of House Tuarden.' After ten years as an indentured servant to the wicked Dark Elves, the goblin was more than eager to please. Malice rose and started out of the anteroom. "'Come,' she ordered, and her two daughters, the goblin, and the animated chest fell in line behind her. They came upon Drizzt in the practice room, polishing the razor edge of his scimitars. He leapt straight up in silent attention at the sight of the unexpected visitors. "'Greetings, my son,' Malice said in a tone more motherly than Drizzt had ever heard. "'We have a test for you this day, a simple test necessary for your acceptance into melee match there.' Maya moved before her brother. "'I am the youngest beside yourself,' she declared. "'Thus I am granted the rights of challenge, which I now execute.' Drizzt stood confused. He'd never heard of such a thing. Maya called the chest to her side and reverently opened the cover. "'You have weapons and your pivot fui, she explained. "'Now it is time for you to don the complete outfit of a noble of the House to Arden.' From the chest she pulled out a pair of high black boots and handed them to Drizzt. Drizzt eagerly slipped out of his normal shoes and put on the new ones. They were incredibly soft." and they magically shifted and adjusted to a perfect fit on his feet. Driz knew the magic within them. They would allow him to move in absolute silence. Before he had even finished admiring them, though, Maya gave him the next gift, even more magnificent. Driz dropped his pivofui to the floor as he took a set of silvery chainmail. In all the realms, there was no armor as supple and finely crafted as drow chainmail. It weighed no more than a heavy shirt, and would bend as easily as silken cloth, yet could deflect the tip of a spear as surely as dwarven-crafted plate mail. "'You fight with two weapons,' Maya said, "'and therefore need no shield. "'But put your scimitars in this. "'It is more fitting to a drowned noble.' She handed Drizzt a black leather belt, its clasp a huge emerald, and its two scabbards richly decorated in jewels and gemstones. "'Prepare yourself!' Malice said to Drist, "'The gifts must be earned.' As Drist started to don the outfit, Malice moved beside the altered goblin, which stood nervously in the growing realization that its fight would be no simple task. "'When you kill him, the items will be yours,' Malice promised. The goblin's smile returned tenfold. It could not comprehend that it had no chance against Drist. When Drizzt again fastened his pilafui back around his neck, Maya introduced the phony drow soldier. "'This is Bakyak,' she said. "'My champion. You must defeat him to earn the gifts, and your proper place in the family.' Never doubting his abilities and thinking the contest to be a simple sparring match, Drizzt readily agreed. "'Let's begin, then,' he said, drawing his scimitars from their lavish sheaths. Malice gave Byakyak a comforting nod, and the goblin took up a sword and shield that Maya had provided and moved right in at Drizzt. Drizzt began slowly, trying to take the measure of his opponent before attempting any daring offensive strikes. In only a moment, though, 
Trist realized how badly Byuk-Yuk handled the sword and shield. Not knowing the truth of the creature's identity, Trist could hardly believe that a drow would show such ineptitude with weapons. He wondered if Byuk-Yuk was baiting him, and with that thought continued his cautious approach. After a few more moments of Byuk-Yuk's wild and off-balance swings, however, Drizzt felt compelled to take the initiative. He slapped one scimitar against Bakyuk's shield. The goblin draw responded with a lumbering thrust, and Drizzt slapped its sword from its hand with its free blade and executed a simple twist that brought the scimitar's tip to a halt against the hollow of Bakyuk's chest. Too easy, Drizzt muttered under his breath. But the true test had only begun. On cue, Breeza cast a mind-numbing spell on the goblin, freezing it in its helpless position. Still aware of its predicament, Bukyuk tried to dive away, but Breeza's spell held it still. "'Finish the strike,' Malice said to Drizzt. Drizzt looked at his scimitar, then to Malice, unable to believe what he was hearing. "'Maya's champion must be killed!' Breeza snarled. "'I cannot,' Drizzt began. "'Kill!' Malice roared, and this time the word carried the weight of a magical command. Thrust! Breeza likewise commanded. Drizzt felt their words compelling his hand into action. Thoroughly disgusted with the thought of murdering a helpless foe, he concentrated with all of his mental strength to resist. While he managed to deny the commands for a few seconds, Drizzt found that he could not pull the weapon away. Kill! Malice screamed. Strike! yelled Breeza. It went on for several more agonizing seconds. Sweat beaded on Driz's brow. Then the young drow's willpower broke. His scimitar slipped quickly between Bukyuk's ribs and found the unfortunate creature's heart. Breeza released Bukyuk from her holding spell then, so that Driz could see the agony on the phony drow's face and hear the gurgles as the dying Bukyuk slipped to the floor. Driz could not find his breath as he stared at his blood-stained weapon. It was Maya's turn to act. She clipped Drizzt on the shoulder with her mace, knocking him to the floor. You killed my champion, she growled. Now you must fight me. Drizzt rolled back to his feet, away from the enraged female. He had no intention of fighting, but before he could even drop his weapons, Malice read his thoughts and warned, If you do not fight, Maya will kill you. This is not the way, Drizzt protested but his words were lost in the ring of adamantine as he parried a heavy blow with one scimitar. He was now into it, whether he liked it or not. Maya was a skilled fighter. All females spent many hours training with weapons, and she was stronger than Drizzt. But Drizzt was Zach Defane's son, the prime student, and when he admitted to himself that he had no way out of this predicament, he came in at Maya's mace and shield with every cunning maneuver that he had ever been taught. Scimitars weaved and dipped in a dance that awed Breeza and Maya. Malice hardly noticed, caught in the midst of yet another mighty spell. Malice never doubted that Driz could defeat his sister, and she had incorporated her expectations into this plan. Driz's movements were all defensive as he continued to hope for some semblance of sanity to come over his mother and that this whole thing would be stopped. He wanted to back Maya up, cause her to stumble and end this fight by putting her in a helpless position. Drizzt had to believe that Breeza and Malice would not be compelling him to kill Maya as he had killed Bukyuk. Finally, Maya did slip. 
she threw her shield out to deflect an arcing scimitar, but became overbalanced in the block, and her arm went wide. Driz's other blade knifed in, only to nick at Maya's breast and force her back. Malice's spell caught the weapon in mid-thrust. The blood-stained adamantine blade writhed to life, and Driz found himself holding the tail of a serpent, a fanged viper that turned back against him. The enchanted snake spat its venom in Drizzt's eyes, blinding him. Then he felt the pain of Breeze's whip. All six snakeheads in the awful weapon bit into Drizzt's back, tearing through his new armor and jolting him in excruciating pain. He crumbled down into a curled position, helpless as Breeze snapped the whip in again and again. "'Never strike at a drow female!' she screamed as she beat Drizzt into unconsciousness. An hour later, Drizzt opened his eyes. He was in his bed, Matron Malice standing over him. The high priestess had tended to his wounds, but the sting remained, a vivid reminder of the lesson, but it was not nearly as vivid as the blood that still stained Drizzt's scimitars. "'The armor will be replaced,' Malice said to him. "'You are a drow warrior now. You have earned it.' She turned and walked out of the room, leaving Drizzt to his pain and his fallen innocence. "'Do not send him,' Zack argued as emphatically as he dared. He stared up at Matron Malice, the smug queen on her high throne of stone and black velvet. As always, Breeza and Maya stood obediently by her sides. "'He is a drow fighter,' Malice replied, her tone still controlled. He must go to the academy. It is our way. Zack looked around helplessly. He hated this place. The chapel, the anteroom with its sculptures of the Spider Queen leering down at him from every angle, and with Malice sitting, towering above him from her seat of power. Zack shook the images away and regained his courage, reminding himself that this time he had something worth arguing about. Do not send him, he growled. They will ruin him. Matron Malice's hands clenched down on the rock arms of her great chair. Already Drist is more skilled than half of those at the academy. Zack continued quickly before the matron's anger burst forth. Allow me two more years and I will make him the finest swordsman in all of Menzoberranzan. Malice eased back on her seat. From what she had seen of her son's progress, she could not deny the possibilities of Zack's claim. "'He goes,' she said calmly. "'There's more to making of a drow warrior than skill with weapons. "'Drist has other lessons that he must learn.' "'Lessons of treachery?' Zack spat, too angry to care about the consequences. "'Zack had told him what Malice and her evil daughters had done that day, "'and Zack was wise enough to understand their actions. "'Their lesson had nearly broken the boy.' and had, perhaps, forever stolen from Driz the ideals he held so dear. Driz would find his morals and principles harder to cling to now that the pedestal of purity had been knocked out from under him. "'Watch your tongue, Zachnafane,' Matron Malice warned. "'I fight with passion,' the weapons master snapped. "'That is why I win. Your son, too, fights with passion. Do not let the conforming ways of the Academy take that from him.' "'Leave us,' Malice instructed her daughters. Maya bowed and rushed out through the door. Breeza followed more slowly, pausing to cast a suspicious eye upon Zack. Zack did not return the glare. 
but he entertained a fantasy concerning his sword and Breeze's smug smile. Zacnafane, Malice began, again coming forward in her chair. I have tolerated your blasphemous beliefs through these many years because of your skill with weapons. You have taught my soldiers well, and your love of killing drow, particularly clerics of the Spider Queen, has aided to the ascent of House to Arden. I am not, and have not been, ungrateful. But I warn you now, and one final time, that Drizzt is my son, not his sire's. He will go to the academy and learn what he must to take his place as a prince of House to Arden. If you interfere with what must be, Zacnafane, I will no longer turn my eyes from your actions. Your heart will be given to Loth. Zack stamped his heels on the floor and snapped a short bow with his head, then spun about and departed, trying to find some option in this dark and hopeless picture. As he made his way through the main corridor, he again heard in his mind the screams of the dying children of House Tevere, children who never got the chance to witness the evils of the Drow Academy. Perhaps they were better off dead. Chapter 11 Grim Preference Zack slid one of his swords from its scabbard and admired the weapon's wondrous detail. This sword, as with most of the drow weapons, had been forged by the Grey Dwarves, then traded to Mensa Baronson. The Dorgar workmanship was exquisite, but it was the work done on the weapon after the Dark Elves had acquired it that made it so very special. None of the races on the surface or underdark could outdo the Dark Elves in the art of enchanting weapons. Imbued with the strange emanations of the underdark, the magical power unique to the lightless world and blessed by the unholy clerics of Loth, no blade ever sat in a wielder's hand more ready to kill. Other races, mostly dwarves and surface elves, also took pride in their crafted weapons. Fine swords and mighty hammers hung over mantles as showpieces, always with a bard nearby to spout the accompanying legend that most often began, In the days of yore. Drow weapons were different never showpieces. They were locked in the necessities of the present, never in reminiscence, and their purpose remained unchanged for as long as they held an edge fine enough for battle, fine enough to kill. Zack brought the blade up to his eyes. In his hands, the sword became more than an instrument of battle. It was an extension of his rage, his answer to an existence that he could not accept. It was his answer, too, perhaps, to another problem that seemed to have no resolution. He walked into the training hall, where Drizzt was hard at work spinning attack routines against a practice dummy. Zack paused to watch the young drow at practice, wondering if Drizzt would ever again consider the dance of weapons a form of play. How the scimitars flowed in Drizzt's hands, interweaving with uncanny precision— each blade seemed to anticipate the other's moves and whirred about in perfect complement. This young drow might soon be an unrivaled fighter, a master beyond Zack Nefane himself. "'Can you survive?' Zack whispered. "'Have you the heart of a drow warrior?' Zack hoped that the answer would be an emphatic no, but either way, Drizzt was surely doomed. 
Zack looked down at his sword again and knew what he must do. He slid his sister blade from its sheath and started a determined walk toward Drizzt. Drizzt saw him coming and turned at the ready. A final fight before I leave for the academy, he laughed. Zack paused to take note of Drizzt's smile. A facade? Or had the young drow really forgiven himself for the actions against Maya's champion? It did not matter. Zack reminded himself of this. Even if Drizzt had recovered from his mother's torments, the academy would destroy him. The weapons master said nothing. He just came in on a flurry of cuts and stabs that put Drizzt immediately on the defensive. Drizzt took it in stride, not yet realizing that this final encounter with his mentor was much more than their customary sparring. "'I will remember everything you've taught me,' Drizzt promised, dodging a cut and launching a fierce counter of his own. "'I will carve my name in the halls of melee match there and make you proud.' The scowl on Zack's face surprised Drizzt, and the young drow grew even more confused when the weapons master's next attack sent a sword knifing straight at his heart. Drizzt leapt aside, slapping at the blade at sheer desperation and narrowly avoiding impalement. "'Are you so very sure of yourself?' Zack growled, stubbornly pursuing Drizzt. Drizzt set himself as their blades met in ringing fury. "'I am a drow fighter!' he declared. A drow warrior. You are a dancer, Zack shot back in a derisive tone. He slammed his sword onto Driz's blocking scimitar so savagely that the young drow's arm tingled. An imposter, Zack cried, a pretender to a title that you cannot begin to understand. Driz went back on the offensive. Fires burned in his lavender eyes, and a new strength guided his scimitar's sure cuts. But Zack was relentless. He fended the attacks and continued his lessons. Do you know the emotions of murder? He spat. Have you reconciled yourself to the act that you have committed? Driz's only answers were a frustrated growl and a renewed attack. Ah, the pleasure of plunging your sword into the bosom of a high priestess, Zack taunted. To see the light of the warmth leave her body while her lips utter silent curses in your face. Or have you ever heard the screams of dying children? Drizzt led up his attack, but Zack would not allow a break. The weapons master came back on the offensive, each thrust aimed at vital areas. How loud those screams, Zack continued. They echo over the centuries in your mind. They chase you down the paths of your entire life. Zack halted the action so that Driz might weigh his every word. You have never heard them, have you, Dancer? The weapons master stretched his arms out wide in invitation. Come then, and claim your second kill, he said, tapping his stomach. In the belly where the pain is greatest, so that my screams may echo in your mind. Prove to me that you are the drow warrior that you claim to be. The tips of Driz's scimitar slowly made their way to the stone floor. He wore no smile now. You hesitate? Zack laughed at him. This is your chance to make your name. A single thrust and you will send a reputation into the academy before you. Other students, even masters, will whisper your name as you pass. Driz Duarden, they will say, the boy that slew the most honored weapons master in all of Menza Baranzen. 
Is this not your very desire? Damn you, Driz spat back, but still he made no move to attack. Drow warrior, Zack chided him. Do not be so quick to claim a title that you cannot begin to understand. Driz came on then, in a fury that he had never known before. His purpose was not to kill, but to defeat his teacher, to steal the taunts from Zack's mouth with a fighting display too impressive to be derided. Drizzt was brilliant. He followed every move with three others and worked Zack low and high, inside and out wide. Zack found his heels under him more often than the balls of his feet. Too involved was he in staying away from the student's relentless thrust to even think of taking the offensive. He allowed Drizzt to continue the initiative for many minutes, dreading its conclusion, the outcome that he had already decided to be the most preferable. Zack then found that he could not stand the delay any longer. He sent one sword out in a lazy thrust, and Drizzt promptly slapped the weapon out of his hand. Even as the young drow came on in anticipation of victory, Zack slipped his empty hand into a pouch and grabbed a magical little ceramic ball, one of those that so often had aided him in battle. Not this time, Zack Nefane, Drizzt proclaimed, keeping his attacks under control, remembering well the many occasions that Zack reversed feigned disadvantage into a clear advantage. Zack fingered the ball, unable to come to terms with what he must do. Drizzt walked him through an attack sequence, then another, measuring the advantage he had gained in stealing a weapon. Confident in his position, Drizzt came in low and hard with a single thrust. Though Zack was distracted at the time, he still managed to block the attack with his remaining sword. Drizzt's other scimitar slashed down on top of the sword, pinning the tip to the floor. In the same lightning movement, Drizzt slipped his first blade free of Zack's parry and brought it up and around, stomping the thrust barely an inch from Zack's throat. "'I have you!' the young drow cried. Zack's answer came in an explosion of light beyond anything Drizzt had ever imagined. Zack had prudently closed his eyes, but Drizzt, surprised, could not accept the sudden change. His head burned in agony, and he reeled backwards, trying to get away from the light, away from the weapons master." Keeping his eyes tightly shut, Zack had already divorced himself from the need of vision. He let his keen ears guide him now, and Drizzt shuffling and stumbling was an easy target to discern. In a single motion, the whip came off Zack's belt and lashed out, catching Drizzt around the ankles and dropping him to the floor. Methodically, the weapons master came on, dreading every step but knowing his chosen course of action to be correct. Drizzt realized that he was being stalked, but he could not understand the motive. The light had stunned him, but he was more surprised by Zack's continuation of the battle. Drizzt set himself, unable to escape the trap, and tried to think of his way around the loss of sight. He had to feel the flow of battle, to hear the sounds of his attacker and anticipate each coming strike. He brought his scimitars up just in time to block a sword chop that would have split his skull. Zack hadn't expected the parry. He recoiled and came in from a different angle. Again, he was foiled. Now more curious than wanting to kill Drist, the weapons master went through a series of attacks, sending his sword into motions that would have sliced through the defenses of many who could see him. Blinded, Drizzt fought him off, putting a scimitar in line with each new thrust. Treachery! Drizzt yelled, painful residual explosions from the bright light still burning inside of his head. 
He blocked another attack and tried to regain his footing, realizing that he had little chance of continuing to fend off the weapons master from a prone position. The pain of the stinging light was too great, though, and Drizzt, barely holding the edge of consciousness, stumbled back into the stone, losing one scimitar in the process. He spun over wildly, knowing that Zack was closing in. The other scimitar was knocked from his hand. Treachery! Driz growled again. Do you hate to lose? Do you not understand? Zack yelled back at him. To lose is to die. You may win a thousand fights, but you can only lose one. He put his sword in line with Driz's throat. It would be a single clean blow. He knew that he should do it, mercifully, before the masters of the academy got hold of his charge. Zack sent his sword spinning across the room, and he reached out with his empty hands, grabbing Drizzt by the front of his shirt and hoisting him to his feet. They stood face to face, neither seeing the other very well in the blinding glare, and neither able to break free of the tense silence. After a long and breathless moment, the Dwemer of the Enchanted Pebble faded and the room became more comfortable. Truly, the two dark elves looked at each other in a different light. A trick of Loth's clerics. Zack explained. Always they keep such a spell of light at the ready. A strange smile crossed his face as he tried to ease Driz's anger. Though I dare say that I have turned such light against clerics, even high priestesses, more than a few times. Treachery, Driz spat a third time. It is our way, Zack replied. You will learn. It is your way, snarled Driz. You grin when you speak of murdering clerics of the Spider Queen. Do you enjoy killing, killing drow? Zack could not find an answer to the accusing question. Drizzt's words hurt him profoundly because they rang of truth, and because Zack had come to view his penchant for killing clerics of Loth as a cowardly response to his own unanswerable frustrations. You would have killed me, Drizzt said bluntly. But I did not. Zack retorted, and now you live to go to the academy, to take a dagger in the back because you are blind to the realities of our world, because you refuse to acknowledge what your people are. Or you will become one of them, Zack growled. Either way, the Drizduan that I have known will surely die. Driz's face twisted, and he couldn't even find the words to dispute the possibility Zack was spitting at him. He felt the blood drained from his face, though his heart raged. He walked away, letting his glare linger on Zack for many steps. "'Go then, Drizduarden,' Zack cried after him. "'Go to the academy and bask in the glory of your prowess. Remember, though, the consequences of your skills. Always there are consequences.' Zack retreated to the security of his private chamber. The door to the room closed behind the weapons master with such a sound of finality that it spun Zack back to face the empty stone. Go then, Drizduarden, he whispered in quiet lament. Go to the academy and learn who you really are. Dinan came for his brother early the next morning. Drizd slowly left the training room, looking back over his shoulder every few steps to see if Zack would come out and attack him again or bid him farewell. He knew in his heart that Zack would not. Drizd had thought them friends and believed that the bond he and Zack Nefane had sown went far beyond the simple lessons in swordplay. 
The young drow had no answers to the many questions spinning in his mind, and the person who had been his teacher for the last five years had nothing left to offer him. "'The heat grows in our bundle,' Dinan remarked when they stepped out onto the balcony. "'We must not be late for your first day in the academy.' Driz looked out into the myriad of colors and shapes that composed Menza Baranzen. "'What is this place?' he whispered, realizing how little he knew of his homeland beyond the walls of his own house. Zack's words, Zack's rage, pressed in on Drizzt as he stood there, reminding him of his ignorance and hinting at the dark path ahead. "'This is the world,' Dinan replied, though Drizzt's question had been rhetorical. "'Do not worry, second boy,' he laughed, moving up onto the railing. "'You will learn of Menzibaranzan in the academy. "'You will learn who you are and who your people are.' "'The declaration unsettled Drizzt. "'Perhaps, remembering his last bitter encounter with the drow he had most trusted, "'that knowledge was exactly what he was afraid of. "'He shrugged in resignation and followed Dinan over the balcony "'in a magical descent to the compound floor.' the first steps down the dark path. Another set of eyes watched intently as Dinan and Driz started out from House to Arden. Alton de Vere sat quietly against the side of a gigantic mushroom as he had every day for the last ten day staring at the Duarden complex. Dermin Nishes Bernan, ninth house of Menzoboranzan, the house that had murdered his matron, his sisters and brothers, and all there ever was of House de Vere except for Alton. Alton thought back to the days of House Tavir when Matron Ginefe had gathered the family members together so that they might discuss their aspirations. Alton, just a student when House Tavir fell, now had a greater insight to those times. Twenty years had brought a wealth of experience. Ginefe had been the youngest matron among the ruling families, and her potential had seemed unlimited. Then she had aided a gnomish patrol, had used her loth-given powers to hinder the drow elves that ambushed the little people in the caverns outside of Mensoboranzan, all because Ginefe desired the death of a single member of that attacking drow party, a wizard son of the city's third house, the house labeled as House de Vere's next victim. The Spider Queen took exception to Ginefe's choice of weapons. Deep gnomes were the dark elves' worst enemy in the whole of the Underdark. With Ginefei falling out of Loth's favor, House Devere had been doomed. Alton had spent twenty years trying to learn of his enemies, trying to discover which drow family had taken advantage of his mother's mistake and had slaughtered his kin. Twenty long years, and his adopted matron, Sinefei Hanet, had ended his quest as simply as it had begun. Now, as Alton sat watching the guilty house, he knew only one thing for certain— Twenty years had done nothing to diminish his rage.'